0: TV shows, movies, comics, games, pretty much every form of media leans towards the same two main antagonists. Either it's the bigwig, mysterious military government, or it's the church. As a pastor, it is hard not to squirm in my seat. Every single time the church is the villain in a show, but Midnight Mass is a bit different. To be honest, it's a genuinely good interpretation of the church. But how do the themes of the church in Midnight Mass and the true church of Jesus Christ in the scriptures differ? Is the horrific monster behind the premise of this show really an angel or actually a demon? Let's talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and an island town that has apparently never heard of vampires. I am your nerd, Pastor Nate, and if you like these weekly deep dives, well, be sure to hit that bell and sub to find out when our next one drops. Folks, as always, we're going to be starting with our scripture. This time, our scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 21 through 26. I'll be reading from the NRSV. It's my preferred translation. It's what's going to be on the screen. If you have something you prefer, feel free to use that instead. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? So first, what is Midnight Mass. Well, it's the latest Netflix horror miniseries from the second coming of Stephen King, known as Mike Flanagan, the director, writer and creator of the haunting series on Netflix and some movies like Oculus, Ouija, Hush, maybe you've heard of them. Midnight Mass itself actually follows a isolated island community that experiences strange supernatural events after the arrival of a mysterious priest and is actually referenced several times in Flanagan's other works. Did you know that's the book that the writer in Hush wrote? Huh, Amazing. Before we go any further, I think there are two reasons you're watching this. Well, I guess three, really. Either number one, you just watch Checkpoint stuff, which means you are an awesome person. Thank you. I genuinely appreciate it if you watch this just because you see it show up on the Checkpoint channel. Or maybe you're just curious about Midnight Mass because it's like everywhere, even though you don't like horror and you probably won't ever actually watch it. Or maybe you're a horror buff and have plans to see it if you haven't seen it already with that being said fair warning that there is no way to talk about this show that doesn't spoil pretty much all of the twists and turns that are hallmarks of mike flanagan's filmography and writing so big old spoiler warning right there from the get-go this time if you don't like horror hey i hear you i had to watch this one during daylight hours if you do like horror then might i recommend go and watch this mini series if you haven't it really is a good one eight out of ten for sure back to midnight mass the plot of the show is pretty dense, and we could tackle this bird from about a dozen different angles. We could do a character study on Father Paul, my ironically favorite character, or maybe even on Bev Keen, whose acting is so good that I'd like to pun her into the sun. We could also do a relationship study on Riley and Aaron, or maybe just Riley's family unit, or Millie and Paul, or the foin Sheriff Hassan and his relationship with d- the entire town. Or we could just talk about the single greatest line in the whole doggone series. God loves him. Just as much as he loves you, Bev. Why does that upset you so much? But instead of pinning down just one or two themes or great quotes or characters, I want to talk about the overarching problem with the fine folks of Crockett Island, specifically with the people affiliated with Saint Patrick's Church. Reminder: big spoiler. So. Midnight Mass tells the story of Monsignor Pruitt, an aging priest who goes on a journey to the Holy Land and has an episode of dementia that causes him to wander into a tunnel inhabited by a literal vampire. He interprets this vampire as being an angelic emissary of God because the vampire restores him to his youth. He sees this moment as a Damascus-esque journey and names himself Father Paul and returns to the island community, bringing along with him the vampire angel thing. Great. Great. By the end of the show, we learn that Father Paul's mission is to sneak drops of vampire blood into the communion wine administered in mass each week, slowly turning the congregation into vampires. At the midnight mass, see what they did there, all of the congregation is going to drink rat poison, which will kill them and allow the vampire blood to bring them back to life as renewed vampire angel beings. Makes sense? Cool. Well, where this goes wrong is actually there's like, uh, there's so much that goes wrong that it's hard to say just one thing went wrong, but nevertheless, all the things go wrong and they all tend to branch back to the same root issue. And that is actually where our scripture for today comes into things. In our passage, we see a Hallmark couple verses of the Bible all in one big place. Even if you're not a Christian or related to the church, you've probably heard these at least somewhere in culture. One of these is actually quoted in the show by Bev to Father Paul when they stop seeing eye to eye. And Actually, it's kind of a pretty appropriate use of that verse, just kind of the opposite way it was meant to be used. See, the disciples are this ragtag group of believers who follow Jesus around and learn from him. They witness his miracles. They hear his words. They know him and they grow to love him. And then Jesus eventually reveals to them why he's actually here and that it's going to result in his death. And resurrection the disciples then lash out at this revelation peter in particular is the one who gets quoted as saying no i'll never let anybody hurt you jesus let alone kill you jesus then makes this harsh rebuke of his own and calls peter satan and tells him that he is being a stumbling block to the thing that jesus must do why why would jesus say this well jesus says this because peter has his mind on human things and not divine things. Then Jesus proceeds to go into a further dialogue about life and death. What does it gain someone to get the whole world but lose their soul, lose their life? If you want to stop focusing on human things and instead look to divine things, then you have to lose your life for Christ's sake and take up your cross. Now wait! Okay, I hear you saying, you know, that actually kind of sounds a lot like what the people of St. Patrick's are doing here, right? I mean, if they become vampires, then they will begin to live eternally. Sort of, you know, except for the whole sunlight thing, they're eternal. Not to mention, they literally have to die first in order to become something more. It's almost the perfect example of what Jesus is talking about, right? And yeah. Mike Flanagan nailed it. The depiction of the townsfolk, and more importantly, the believers of St. Patrick's, is absolutely a fair judgment of our actions, our thoughts, and our lives. And it's a brutal judgment. We are corrupt people, we are broken people, and we mess up a lot. And we are well known for misinterpreting our own scriptures. But here's the thing, this is not exactly entirely a bad thing. See, Father Paul or Monsignor Pruitt or whatever you want to call him, he does genuinely appear to care for his congregation. He wants them to experience the bliss of this eternal life that he has found by this trickster vampire that he thinks is an angel. Bev Keen, on the other hand, is truly evil and sees this as a retributive act of God through the cruel actions of human hands. The vampire didn't change anything. Remember, she poisons the dog and who who knows what else Bev Keen did. Oh, Bev. See, it doesn't matter whether it was a good person or a bad person that was influenced, they were both susceptible to this kind of manipulation. But at the end of the day, both of their choices weren't following the life and deed of Jesus. Instead, they were following more along the line of Peter. At the root of pretty much everyone's actions is the very real motive and sin of self-preservation. And the proof is in the pudding here. Why does Paul or Monsignor Pruitt bring the angel to the island really? Is it really just to save his congregation? No. It's for his illegitimate mistress, Millie, who is dying and in pain. He has good motives, sure. Maybe he does want to help his whole congregation. But the root of his reasoning is a problem. It's selfishness. It's self-preservation for the one that he loves. Why does Bev go and hide when the mass feeding happens on Easter night? Well because she was afraid to die a brutal death and wanted something more fitting of someone of her stature. She saw herself as something more. She wanted to preserve her image of her own self. We could person by person go and name why they did what they did that allowed for this evil to continue happening. And no matter what, they're all gonna come back to this same theme of self-preservation. And that is the path of Peter. Peter didn't want Jesus to die, why? What Jesus even says, right? He says, I'm going to die and then I'm going to raise again. So he's not scared about Jesus dying. Well, why else would Peter be afraid? Well, maybe because Jesus's death would be hard on more than just Jesus. But Jesus's death would also be hard on Peter. So he wanted to preserve himself. He wanted to preserve this his own thing that he felt he had control over. Now, Peter isn't an inherently evil person. His namesake for Pete's sake is that he will be the rock of the future church. But the divine path The path that strays from the path of human things? Well, that path is the path of Jesus, and it is the one that strays from self-preservation. It's the one that flings open the doors to the other with big, welcoming arms and focuses on everyone other than the self. Even Riley doesn't really get it. He did a good thing telling Aaron the truth, but his death, yeah, that was self-preservation. Aaron is the only one who, as she is embracing the angel, stabbing its wings one cut at a time as she lays dying, she was the one that wasn't concerned with preserving herself, but instead she already knew her death was definite. But no one else had to die because of what she did. Out of everyone, Aaron is the best example for Jesus' path of living a real life. So make no mistake, right? Flanagan has made an excellent depiction of the church, and a downright biblical one. We always have, and we still do eat our own and harm each other because we're even still tempted by our human ways. And that's the whole point, really. Let's hope we never figure it all out because that's when our humanity seeps in and messes things up. The point of this life is called perfecting grace. That is to say, it's how we live our day by day, taking baby steps towards a more Christ-like life by loving God, loving others, and striving to grow like we say every day, in our community so whether the show has absolutely rocked your faith or maybe you're more assured than ever or maybe it's just made you curious about whether or not we actually believe any of that stuff that happens in the show know that you are always welcomed here at checkpoint church by the way the reason that we film these in a windowless room is a complete coincidence i'm totally fine to go in sunlight come on it's not true that all pastors are vampires folks get real Thanks for listening to our weekly Nerdy Deep Dive into the world of nerds, geeks, and gamers. We hope you enjoyed the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to experience this video in its intended full viewing, Feel free to find us over on YouTube at Checkpoint Church and watch it there. If you're interested in supporting what we're doing, feel free to go to www.checkpointchurch.com support for information on how to donate or support us financially or otherwise. Or you can go through the Anchor app and support us there as well. This program is created, produced, and edited by Nathan Webb and distributed by Anchor. Find us on twitch.tv slash Checkpoint Church, where we'll be streaming on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. Thanks again for listening to our show. And remember, God loves you. We love you you matter. Be boldly blessed and we will catch you next time.